All right, hopefully this works. Um, this will be the first field recording that I do out here. And all it is is just I'm going to be taking my little recorder outside and doing a cabin log as the sun sets here. So I'm sitting like, I don't know, 50 yards out in the backyard away from the cabin. I'm by the lake watching the sun go down. Uh, got some flies buzzing around my head. I'm under this little pecan tree that I uh, took a, you know, uh, cleared a bunch of Spanish moss off of the other day, so it's looking really nice. Um, got all the sounds of the outdoors uh, going on here. I got my dog sitting like a great little watchful dog that she is. And chickens are working their way over to me. Lately, since the attack, I had an attack. Um, middle of the night, early morning hours, I guess. Where I lost uh, four of my birds out of eight. And since then... The remaining four chickens have been, like, so much tighter bonded to each other, but also tighter to me. So, like, they kind of hunker down when I'm gone, and then when I come back, they go kind of where I just was. And scrape up the ground and eat good things and poop and do what chickens do. Man, so we're getting, uh, it's, uh, I'd say moderate humidity in the air here and just the past few weeks of hot, hot days has forced me to kind of mentally consider that summer in all of its heat and wetness and misery is upon us, but also beauty. You know, the Florida summer has a, it's a rare beauty, you know, and it takes the right type of person to be able to appreciate it, I think. Uh, I do appreciate it. I love the just, just wallowing in the dankness of it all. Sandals all day, shorts, taking lots of showers. <laughs> Taking it a little easier is actually where I've been at, you know. Today was kind of the perfect, uh, or at least a good start for how I'm going to spend the days of summer out here. And that was uh, waking up early, taking care of morning chores, doing whatever I need to do till about 10.30, 11, 11.30 maybe when it starts to get kind of warm. And then go inside, chill out, maybe read a book, do what you need to do, uh, take a breather. And then those next few like really hot hours in the middle of the day, I ran into town and took care of a bunch of things. Got some lumber, got groceries, you know. Um, 
etc. did things that I needed to do in town. So that's a good way to spend the uh, hot hours because I'm not working my ass off in the sun uh, over the summer. I, I, I feel like the past few months here, there's been a fire under my butt saying like, hey, you better get this shit done before it starts getting wet and hot because you're not going to want to do it then. So, yeah, it's starting to get into that vibe mentally. Um, <clears throat> had some guests over the weekend. It's uh, Tuesday now. Um, but I had some guests come in, uh, over the weekend, and that was nice. Um, I had a few of my guy friends from, uh, Aventura come up. Uh, a couple of them had been up here before. They're part of a group that, um, since they were young men with their fathers, would come up to the Ocala Forest, uh, up here and camp out as a group, and... Just a few months ago, they invited me out to uh, their campsite where they were uh, carrying on that tradition as grown men. And it was really cool. They're all really nice guys. I was like actually really touched by the whole thing that they're carrying there and just the fact that they were super welcoming and really a nice group. So to those guys, uh, you know who you are and thanks for... For everything it was nice having you guys you're welcome back anytime if you're hearing this um <clears throat> it's funny actually i mentioned it that because of one of their friends who was in that group from when they were young men i remember as a as like a young as in middle school maybe i barely knew this kid but one of the few times that i do remember hanging out with him he mentioned how he goes camping up in ocala national forest and that was the first time I ever heard of the Ocala National Forest, which is interesting. It always stuck in my head as a cool place to go camping. And uh, and so I've come full circle, you know, that, that planted the seed in my head that there was a place up here. Uh, and as an older guy, I figured it out. So, uh, and then I had another guest um, who's a friend of mine, Mike. And his girlfriend, Ashley, who, uh, I met Mike through a, he was working, uh, as a chef in a restaurant venture that opened, um, in one of my properties back in Miami. And, uh, he was always such, just a very cool dude. Um, we all, he was just always very easygoing and it was kind of a tense, uh, little uh venture there and it didn't end up succeeding unfortunately but uh he was always just a cool mellow guy and I appreciated that and we st we stayed in touch and he would hit me up you know saying hey man I'd love to come up there sometime and I extended the invite you know he being a chef and just a general interesting guy um uh was particularly interesting to me to have him around you know we talked a bit about uh, some of my goals for up here as far as raising food and taking it to market. And it was a fruitful and productive conversation. Um, yeah, showed them around. Uh, both, 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 you know, groups of visitors were just quick overnight turnarounds, unfortunately. So it's just a crash course. Um, but hopefully both will be back.
in the future. So, uh, been cleaning up a lot. I'm looking around. I've, man, been cleaning up a lot as far as landscaping. I'm sitting right in front of this, like, massacred area of saw palms and where an old pecan tree was rotting away. I probably could have left the pecan tree standing now that I look back on it. But it was all covered with moss and it would have taken a professional crew to really bring it back to life. I could have, I should have done that. It looked like it was dying when I, where I saw it and um, ended up cutting and the trunk is definitely fully alive, but not anymore. It'll be put to good use somehow. And uh, it opens up, opens up my view quite a bit. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of clearing the house uh, and its surrounding plant life. Um, it's definitely looking a little bit more manicured. Hey girl, dog's walking over. Sniffing the recorder. Um, so yeah, so I feel good about that. I can see the fruits of my labor here. Uh, tonight, when this is done, I'm going to go and study. I'm studying to get my, um, what's called a technician's license uh, for amateur radio. I'm going to become a ham. It's a, It's been a goal of mine for years, and I've put it off. Just been kind of intimidated and just kind of uh, dancing around the idea of doing it. Um, but now that I'm out here, I'm going to definitely do it. I got a test on May 11th. Uh, there's a club in Deland, and there's a club in Lake County. I'll probably check out both. Um, for those of you that don't know what ham radio is, it's uh, it's a way to for civilians to communicate through, you know, through the air using either handheld or uh, you know, home home base kind of units. I plan, I have like a cheap handheld unit, but I plan on setting up a home base here uh, with a big antenna so I can reach uh, into town and reach uh, what's called repeaters, not to get too technical, but basically so I can communicate with uh, other hams um, that may not be directly near me that are, you know, maybe 20, maybe 15, 20 miles away. Uh, which is uh, a priority for me now, being that I'm out here solo, uh, being that my cell service ain't so good, and being that hurricane season is coming. Um, I think my feeling is that it's probably a good community of guys and gals, probably mostly guys, to be honest, um, that uh, can you know, help me learn, and that'll be good, uh, contacts for emergencies, or just, uh, for pursuing the hobby, so I look forward to doing that, I'm gonna hit the books tonight, um, get my license, I'll have a call sign, it'll be pretty cool, and aside from the home base unit, I've got the cheap little handheld, and I might even mount something in the truck, so not to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, each would have its own kind of use. So that's cool. Um, 
hopefully having some help come by this week. Let's see if, uh, if that person pulls through. She reached out to me. She's from the area, and she reached out to me uh, saying that she thought that what I was doing was cool and that she uh, is into horses and knows how to take care of horses and donkeys and things like that and likes goats. So I've been kind of silently searching for the right person who can help me out here. It's, uh, it's definitely a lot of work. Um, most days, and I'm kind of, uh, tied down right now. I haven't been home in months, and I've kind of wanted to go back, um, if not just to pack up some more stuff from my place in Miami and bring it here, but also to see friends and family and visit the city and maybe take a dip in the water and you know, do some Miami things and head back. So hopefully I'll have found someone who can take a load off for a few days and just generally help out, which would be nice. Um, I brought this book down here because I wanted to read a passage that struck me. I've been... I just finished reading what's called the Frontier Thesis, I believe. The title of this, I bought just like a little throwaway book. It's called The Significance of the Frontier in American History by Frederick Jackson Turner. It was It's basically uh, his frontier thesis. Um, and it's, it's something that I had heard about from Richard Slotkin's famous book called Gunfighter Nation, which uh, I read pieces, chapters of in college when I took a class on the Western... And I believe in the introduction, uh, Slotkin mentions uh, Frederick Jackson Turner's Frontier Hypothesis, which was a radical reworking of American history and American identity, you know, as far as uh, thinking around these topics goes. Um, Very well known. And so you can't really... I consider myself a student of the frontier and a student of the frontier in film and... Not so much books, but yeah, maybe a little bit, just in media. And it'd be hard, uh, you'd be, uh, you'd be at a loss if you attempted to study such things without reading this. I highly recommend reading, <coughs> excuse me, highly recommend reading Jackson Turner's, um, Frontier Thesis. So... could talk about this in another podcast or just talk about the frontier forever but there was one part that stood out to me um and it's actually not turner's words it's him quoting uh a i guess a a member of one of the 1830 debates at the virginia convention And it just mentions the speaker as a representative from Western Virginia. And I'll just go ahead and read it and then kind of hopefully kind of explain what it, why it resonated with me. So the quote is, 
Remember, this is during the Virginia Convention, and a, a representative declares. But, sir, it is not the increase in population in the West which this gentleman ought to fear. It is the energy which the mountain breeze and Western habits impart to those emigrants. They are regenerated. Politically, I mean, sir. They soon become working politicians. And the difference, sir, between a talking and a working politician is immense. The old dominion, that's in caps, the old dominion has long been celebrated for producing great orators, the ablest metaphysicians in policy, men that can split hairs in all abstruse questions of political economy. But at home, or when they return from Congress, they have Negroes to fan them asleep. But a Pennsylvania, a New York, an Ohio, or a Western Virginia statesman, though far inferior in logic, metaphysics, and rhetoric to an old Virginia statesman, has this advantage, that when he returns home, he takes off his coat and takes hold of the plow. This gives him bone and muscle, sir, and preserves his Republican principles pure and uncontaminated. <clears throat> and it's just a fucking amazing own, first of all, <laughs> uh, as a 19th, just, just a 19th century own right there in pure form. Um, if it was at all acceptable, I would totally be using the Instead of calling people like soft or pretty boys, call them like, you know, say that they have Negroes that fan them to sleep. But, of course, I won't be doing that. Um, <clears throat> he's basically saying, you know, you're a lot of talk, but there's guys down there that are putting their, putting in the groundwork, putting in the, the heavy labor. And there's something about doing that that builds character and that really is the spirit of this country. That that constantly refreshing our culture and our population at the time. And we could discuss how this has changed. But at the time, we were constantly sending people new to new places that had not yet been conquered. West and west and west. See, at the time, he's talking about Pennsylvania and Ohio. These places were the frontier in 1830. Haven't even gotten out west. And the act of just doing that is, you know, this is at now, now we're getting into Turner's words. Turner basically is saying that American identity was solidified through the frontier and the process of um, settling the frontier. More so than American identity being defined by its connections and roots in European culture. And that's, to me, right on. Um, there's so much to be said about that, but uh, I know that Americans, as Americans, we see ourselves... Uh, as fundamentally different from the Europeans. We value our independence. We value our um, <coughs> our ability to 
to get shit done, our ability to be self-sufficient, to put in hard work, the, the, the virtue of putting in hard work. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a badass passage I wanted to share. Getting dark here. We're at, what, 20 minutes? Chicks are all sitting on top of the chicken coop ready for me to put them in and lock it up. It's really cute. <coughs> Tomorrow I've got um, a great great guy coming by. His name's Gavin. He's a, uh, He was recommended to me by my friend Monty, who was kind of project manager out here helping me get shit done as far as coordinating uh, jobs, improvements, labor. He recommended this cat, Gavin, who's about my age, and uh, helped me put up the barn. He put up the, the fencing around the barn and did a just killer job. Busted his ass in the heat and rain. Um, and he's coming by tomorrow. We're going to build this uh, large chicken hotel. That's what I've been calling it. We can build that together. It's good to have an extra hand and a nice guy around, uh, you know, in lieu of my uh, competent friends. And about that, I think uh, I think some of my boys, two of my best boys, might be coming up this weekend. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do a sit down and talk with one or both of them. So yeah, this may be the last. Uh, one of the last nights of for these birds in this coop and on to a new one. So if you follow me on Instagram, um, you know that I have two goats. Or I might have mentioned it briefly in the last episode. But I've got uh, I've got two goats now. And their names are uh, Moses and Lawrence, or Mo and Larry. Uh, Silberian. Is their full name? Mo and Larry Silberian. Um, they are both weathered males, which means that their balls are uh, useless. Not there. They're there, but they're they're not there. They have rubber bands around their balls, so it's cutting off the blood flow, and soon they'll dry up and fall off. <coughs> so they're both males. They're Toggenberg Nubian hybrids that I got from these wonderful farmers uh, down the road from me. Uh, It's called Sunshine Farms of Paisley. Uh, Rick and Diana, just wonderful people. Uh, Rick uh, is actually a Miamian. He was born in Miami. Uh, He's a trucker and goat farmer and just an all-around good dude. And I really enjoy getting to know him and I hope to uh, develop that relationship further. Diana is a wonderful, wonderful woman and an excellent uh, cheesemaker and just general goat farmer. You know, she makes her products um, that she gets from, that she, you know, derives from her goats are out of this world. Um, I have these two large ball jars filled with goat milk. And if you ever had goat milk, sometimes it's off-putting just because of the goaty flavor. 
Uh, not so with with her milk. It is sweet and neutral neutral tasting. Just really just quality milk. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, look out for them. You might be able to order some things um, from their website, Sunshine Farms of Paisley. Uh, so anyway, so I got these two mails from them, and for the first couple weeks they were living on my front porch, uh, where I put down you know pine shavings and hay, and kept them in there, and it was kind of rough on me. You know, first of all I couldn't use my porch. It smelled. We were getting flies. And then, like, you know, they were babies. So any movement that I made inside, they would start, you know, making a ruckus, trying to get my attention. And it was, uh, it was a hard little period there for me. It wasn't exactly easy. Uh, and then during that period, you know, is when I had the, the birds killed. I lost my two ducks, uh, Tiddlywinks and Patty Fingers. I lost one of my favorite chickens from the flock, uh, Rosie who was just a sweetheart, and I lost another chicken. I found them murdered in the morning. I say murdered because they were left dead. They weren't eaten. They had wounds to their, severe wounds to their heads, and that was it. Um, one of the chickens was missing, so I guess it was a murder and then a meal. Um, two days later, I set out a trap, and two days later, I caught a big fat possum that had come back the night before I caught it and then caught it the next night. Um, and I'm almost 100% certain that that was the culprit. Uh, I neutralized him and buried all the animals um, in the yard here. So I learned a big lesson from that. But shit happens, you know, and it's part of the game. It really fucked me up for a few days. I wanted to, I'll be honest, I wanted to throw in the towel uh, and just give up. But thankfully I didn't because life has been super rewarding since. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So, um, I do miss those birds. I was nursing um, Tiddlywinks, the the daintier of the ducks, had hurt her foot. She had kind of a swollen pad of her foot, could not move very well. She was low energy and lethargic, and it took me two or three weeks of nursing her, holding her, soaking her foot, foot in Epsom salt, spraying uh, Vetresin, uh, pulling out little splinters from her foot, which I think was the cause of the infection, and just kind of encouraging her, to teaching her to swim in this pond I made, you know, because the swimming helps with the blood flow and takes weight off of her foot. And it sucks because when she finally started making a real improvement, she was energetic and back to her old self, uh, almost, I would say 80%. 85% back to normal. Uh, I remember the night before they died at sundown, that her and her boyfriend, Patty Fingers, were swimming in a little pond, having such a good time, just getting used to swimming. And I said, man, finally they're back to normal, and, and there you go. They really got taken out. <clears throat> 
So, they gave their lives so that I may learn. I worry greatly about my goats. They're out there in the barn. It's near my bedroom, but here in the summer I got the AC running, so I'm not going to hear anything outside. I set up a nest cam there, so there's a chance I'll get an alert if something goes on. But it's not really uh, ideal. But there is no ideal. You just do your best with what you what you have and what's, you know, realistic and pray for the best, you know. Don't leave any room for for error. Patch up the holes as much as you can and, and narrow down the opportunity for a predator to come in. Predators out here be coyotes, black bear, and potentially cats. At this size, the goats are kind of small. Maybe a fox would take them out. I don't know. I don't know. Saw a huge black bear the other day on the drive, driveway. Uh, big sucker. Really big sucker. So that doesn't make me feel too good. I've got a, a wind chime. I play the radio at night. And I've got these uh, motion-activated, really bright LEDs that are surrounding the barn. So hopefully those things will deter anything that comes close. <coughs> of course, I've got the fence. And I'm setting up an electric fence. It's not running right now, but maybe tomorrow I'll have it up and running. So you do the best you can. Oh, yeah, I'm getting a donkey. Uh, I met this woman down at the feed shop named Trish. She's a retired school teacher in the area. And she was working at the feed shop, and I just mentioned, you know, all the girls were asking what I'm doing, you know, where I'm from, what I'm doing out here, am I new to town? And uh, I just happened to mention that um, that I was looking for a donkey, a guardian donkey for the goats, and she has one. She has an eight-year-old donkey named Dante, and she offered to bring him by. So... Uh, it's been a little delayed, but hopefully I'll have a donkey by the end of the week. Um, that would make me feel a little better. Donkeys are pretty territorial and have pretty keen, uh, hearing and eyesight, so they'll give their life for whatever it is they're guarding, um, or succeed in scaring it off. So that'll be better than nothing. Dante the donkey. So yeah, uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up this field recording. It's getting dark, and I'm going to go study, guys. Um, I'll probably do these every few episodes. Come out here, enjoy the outdoors, and, and check in. So yeah, thanks for listening. This will be, I guess, the third or fourth episode, and... It'll just get better and better as I go on, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to do this and figuring out my style and figuring out my tone, etc., etc. And for those of you that are listening, I really do appreciate you sticking with me. I'm going to do my best to make it worth your while. As the sun sets in the west, I bid you a fond farewell. <laughs>